0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I've got a word for you this, this evening. I'm so used to preaching mornings. We don't have an evening service. This evening, uh, I just believe it's, it's a word in season for where you're at. And uh, it's, a, it's a challenging word. It's something that God has been speaking to me about for a while. Um, The other day, I went to work. So I'm a part-time physio, part-time pastor, and a full-time Christian. And uh, (laughs) uh, it's important to make that clear. Oh, it's so true. We think, you know, um, the, the, the professional Christians. No, we're all Christians in every sphere, wherever we're at. So I was going to my physio work, and I did the foolish thing of forgetting my phone. And I got to work, and I was like, I don't have my phone. And seriously, for the whole day, it felt like I'd lost a limb. Anybody know that feeling? That when, you, when you've, you know, maybe the uh, batteries died or something's happened, you left it behind and you lost your phone and you realize there's this actual sense of loss about you. And, and, and studies have been done in America uh, that say that, you know, they, they made young people give up their phones. They found that they performed worse on mental tasks and that they were in withdrawal and felt physiological symptoms, like actually increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, because they lost their phones. Uh, And they also felt a sense of loss or a lessening of their extended self. So they actually felt like something was missing. And I was feeling this the other day, and I was like, this is not right. Like, I I can remember a time I didn't have a phone. And I wasn't just a baby, I know I look young, but I was a teenager and and i didn't have a phone and it was okay i survived in fact my life was good and 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 it, and it made me think about my reliance on this little thing that i hold and uh you can you can cuz you can distract yourself you can uh, the amazing thing is about your phone or your it's not really a phone it's like a computer really that you have in your and in a, and a tv and a and a radio and a, it's all those things and if you if you let it, it can just fill in all the cracks of your life. Every spare moment, you're like, oh yeah, checking your Facebook, checking your Instagram, checking your Trade Me account, checking your what are YouTube videos, whatever it is. You pick your poison. But we can fill in our lives to the point that we're just living in the superficial, entertain me, entertain me, because because that's we we live in a in a world that is like that. That is that is. Just, just always filling itself with distraction. Because the thing about distraction is that it distracts us from the real issues in our life. It distracts us from, from what's at, how, where our hearts are really at, how we're really going. And we actually, we live in a, in, in a society that is just always distracting itself. You know, the, the, the events of a couple of weeks ago, they shook the city. But I tell you what, pretty soon, and probably already even now, people are just, they can't deal with it, so they're just distracting themselves. They're filling in the void in another way. They just And, and I'm talk, I talk technology here, but there are many other things that we use to fill that void. Some of them, you know, the church frowns on them. Uh, you know, maybe it's drugs or, or, or alcohol or, or multiple relationships, but maybe it's something that we actually, we don't uh, worry about like. Looking at your phone or being distracted by um, other things, or just exercising—it can, they can even be good things. But what we do is, we just we live in a in a perpetual state of superficiality, and it numbs us to the reality of where we're at, and it lessens our effectiveness in the world. and And I've been I've been reading this book. Uh, and it's just been really getting to me, and I want to actually quote to you the, the very first sentence of the very first chapter of this book. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> By Richard Foster, and all of a sudden you go, oh no. Okay, but bear with me, bear with me. This is, this is it. I think we've got it on the screen. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And I was like, whoa, that, that struck me. And the crazy thing about this is that this book was written in 1980. That's the year of my birth. That's like a long time ago. And, and I was thinking, what does that tell you? That This guy is prophetic, but how much more so now do we live? Like, this is well before cell phone time, but how much more now do we live in a world that is just living on the surface? And, you know, we've actually got a, we've got a world that's drowning in the shallow end. And we as Christians need to actually come and, and help them out and teach them to come into the, the deeps. The, the trouble is. We don't know how to swim. <laughs> like we as Christians, we, we're not immune to this. The, the culture around us is shaping us in ways that we don't even stop to think about. And, and really tonight, I just want us to take a step back and go, hang on, what am I doing with my life? Am I just distracting myself? Am I just filling the cracks with those because it's actually, it doesn't just fill the cracks, it is like crack. <laughs> like, like the, the addiction that you, you, you know, there's dopamine receptors going off in your brain all the, every time you, you check uh, your phone for, oh, someone like that, oh, do they comment on that, oh, what's the price on that, what, yeah, you know, you get a little buzz every time. And it's actually incredibly addictive. The studies have been shown that, that actually it, it's like a drug. And, and I think we need to take a step back and go, it's not just our phones. It's just, that's just one example. We need to step back and go, okay, God, is this your best for my life? Is this actually what you call me to do? Because it's not. But there's an answer. And we know his name, right? What's his name, Church. His name is Jesus, yes, that's the primary school answer, it's Jesus. We have that answer. And today, I really just want to inspire you to connect with him at a deeper level. Because, you know, we want to change our world, right? We want to change. Christchurch is crying out. New Zealand, the world is crying out for change. They thought the secular kind of revival that's been happening in the world, post kind of Christendom, would, would, would bring the answers. But it hasn't. It's just brought more problems. And actually, the answer we know at church is Jesus. And I think the, the crazy thing is, though, well, we all want to change the world. But actually, for us to change the world, something has to happen here. Leo Tolstoy, a great writer, once wrote, Everybody thinks of changing humanity, and nobody thinks Of changing themselves. If we're to change the world, we actually need to change. And the way we do that is by connecting with Jesus. It seems very simple, and it is, but it's also incredibly challenging at times. And the way we connect with Jesus, I would suggest tonight, is through the disciplines. Now, I know you all think, oh, the disciplines, like, is that someone telling me off? Well, that's one meaning of the word discipline, but that's not actually, I mean, it sounds like hard work. Like I, I work enough, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, I don't want to come to church and get told to do more work. Uh, and I understand that, but actually it's, it's not work. And, and, and by the end of this, I, I, I hope you'll be with me and thinking, man, actually this, this brings life. This this brings the, the, the life that Jesus wants for me. The word discipline comes from a Latin word, disciplus. It's a word for pupil. Which also, and it also provides that word disciple that we know of. And so disciple and pupil, uh, what, what discipline does is it makes us pupils of Jesus. and And that should be our greatest aim as Christians, to be like Christ. To become more and more like him. Now if you don't like that term, uh, dis- discipline Because it still sounds too hard Bear with me Try this one Unforced rhythms of grace Matthew 11 I'll give you the scripture here Matthew 11:28. 28 In the message It says Are you tired? Worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me Says Jesus speaking Come to me Get away with me And you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest Walk with me And work with me Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's a beautiful scripture. You can't, you can't live a deep, full life with God if you're just doing religion. It's just going to wear you out. But Jesus, when you walk with them, when you work with them, I love how it puts it, how you, when you watch... How he does it, you end up living freely and lightly. Who wants to live freely and lightly? Hey, I've got no clock here, so this is awesome. We're going to be here for a while. That's cool. So (laughs) I'm just extending out my sermon right now. Um, There's a way that we can live freely and lightly, and it's walking with Jesus. Learning his unforced rhythms of grace. That sounds nicer than disciplines, doesn't it? unforced rhythms of grace. We could call it the path of disciplined grace because the thing is, it's grace, right? We live by grace. It's a free gift, this life we have in Christ, but it's also discipline, because there's something for us to do. We have to partner with God. The great World War II theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, tells us that, 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 that grace is free, but it's never cheap. Grace is free gift, but it costs something. And the the grace of God, it's unearned. It's unearnable. But if we expect to grow in that grace, then we have to consciously choose to keep connecting, choose to do things that draw us near to God. And that's what spiritual growth is, continually drawing near to God and becoming more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul puts it very simply. He says, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Pretty simple. And Jesus did it. We want to be like Jesus. And he had these disciplines in his life. It's just so often we overlook it because we get, we get blinded by the amazing things that Jesus did, right? The miracles and the incredible teaching and just the love and the compassion he shows. And we see that, but we forget what's behind that. Here's an example. Luke 5, in verse 15 and 16 says, Yet the news about him, about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and and, and to be healed of their sicknesses. But get this, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So right there, two disciplines that Jesus did. In the midst of his amazing ministry, of changing his world, he's practicing solitude and he's practicing prayer. In the midst of you changing your world, you need to be practicing these kind of disciplines. And we know that he did a number of other things. We know that he, he fasted for 40 days. Don't try that unless you're really confident in your ability or you start off really fat. I don't know. Uh, but he, he obviously read Scripture because he quoted it a lot. Uh, he knew large chunks of it off. Uh, he went to church, so he practiced uh, the Sabbath. We know he did that because he annoyed a lot of the Pharisees. He he practiced celebration. He practiced service. He practiced simplicity. He practiced so many disciplines in his life. And the the thing is about this, this disciplined grace journey is that it's actually a narrow way. It's the best way to live, but it's also a narrow way. Let me explain. Matthew 7. I'll oh, give you a lot of scriptures. hope that's okay. You like scripture in this church, eh? Yeah. Uh, Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate. This so is Jesus speaking. For for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. See, we've always thought, oh, the narrow way, that's just about you know, who's in and who's out, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. But no, it's actually about a specific way we're called to live. Because if you read it in the context, context is, uh, is, is Jesus' amazing teachings, the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and, and then the narrow way, you know he's talking about is, a, is, is uh, you, know, loving one another, forgiving, uh, living in peace, not being lustful, not being angry, life together, living in generosity, doing things for the right reason, all those things. Fit together to make this narrow way. So tonight, I'm not actually gonna. I'm not gonna break down all the disciplines because we don't have time to do that. That each one deserves a sermon, and we're actually gonna preach through them in tamaru, uh this year at some point. But uh, I just want to touch on them very quickly, just so you know what they are, and then and then and then we'll talk about uh, I guess the how we find those rhythms in our own life. So uh, so there's. Well, this isn't an exhaustive list, by the way, but I'll give you 12 of them. Um, This is Richard Foster's list, not mine. But he breaks it down into three three groups of four. You can write these down. Inward discipline, so that's meditation. So that's not like sitting on the floor um, with your fingers out like that. It's it's spending some time just thinking about God, reflecting on Him, maybe finding a passage and, and, and delving into that. Then there's prayer. I think you know what that is. There's fasting. You know what that is. And there's study as well. Actually delving into the Word of God and 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 digging it out and finding out. You know, below the surface, there's so many layers. So those are inward disciplines. And there's outward disciplines. Simplicity. You can go Marie Kondo it all up and just go go down to nothing. And and but seriously, you know, Marie Kondo, she didn't make this up. It's been around for a long time. It's been practiced for thousands of years. Jesus didn't rock around in a bling car and with a massive mansion. He, was, he lived a very simple life. We just get crowded out by stuff in our world. Simplicity is a discipline. Solitude. No, I just gave you a scripture about how Jesus went and just hung by himself. Man, we don't like solitude. Man, you go hang out by yourself without your phone <laughs> It's revealing because there's just you, just you and God, and, and you, yeah, it's very revealing. Solitude, submission. Oh, that's another hard one as well. Actually, Jesus lived a life of submission. He submitted to people who were, who were taking him to the cross, who were causing his death. That's ultra submission, but that's a, it's a discipline, service. I know a lot of you guys serve in church and on teams. That's, that's actually a discipline in your life. Corporate discipline. So the, the last four, the ones we do together. Worship. Well, you know you know about that. You've been doing it tonight. Guidance. That's when you seek someone else and you ask, hey, I need some help. How often do we do that? Or you find a mentor or someone who can, you, know, you look up to in the faith, who can speak into your life. How often are we just too proud to do that? But it's a discipline. Celebration. You know, the church came together. Actually, before Jesus' time, the whole nation came together. That's, that's why I love shout. Shout is like a, a big celebration. It's actually a discipline to get to shout. There you go. All those people that think, oh, it's just an optional extra. No, it's a discipline that you build into your life, and it produces fruit in your life. Celebration. Confession. I, every week I have a, a good friend that I talk to on the phone and we talk about our, our lives and where we're at and, and we talk about our own purity and our, our thought life and you know, we, we confess to one another because I've seen too many people have issues in this area and I know that I need that discipline in my life. So, and There's more that you can talk about, the Sabbath and, and other things. That, I know you just thought it was praying and reading your Bible and coming to church but there's actually a whole lot more and, and I tell you what, these, these disciplines have been going on for thousands of years. But somehow in the West, in the 21st century, with our focus on new and great and next, we've forgotten about the deeper things. And I just want to bring us back, church. I'm not suggesting you go and worship in a different chapel and don't have— No, we've got to be, we've got to be cutting edge. We've got to be reaching the next generation. But we can't forget about all the, the, the amazing things that Jesus did and the church has been doing— for thousands of years, we need to build these things into our life. So three things, three things about building these, these uh, rhythms of grace into our life. Then the first one is when we're talking about the disciplines, is the disciplines connect us to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I can't stress this enough because too often I make the discipline about the discipline. It's 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 the why behind the what. And all in, in various different ways, these things connect us to Jesus. Uh, some are obvious, prayer, worship, and others less so. Perhaps service. You know, actually, we're never more, uh, more like Jesus than when we're serving someone. Submission. We're never more like Jesus when we're submitting to some, someone. Where we run into trouble is when we look at the disciplines themselves and we look to them rather than the one they're supposed to be connecting us to. There's absolutely no point in getting up at 5 a.m. and reading 10 10 uh, chapters of the Bible and going, tick, yes, I'm a good Christian. And you've never actually connected with Jesus. That's just, that's, that's called legalism. That's what the Pharisees did. The disciplines or the rhythms of grace are not virtuous in and of themselves. You don't get brownie points with God for reading your Bible, for coming to church. God doesn't actually care how many... Bible verses you've memorized, or how many times you've come to church. He doesn't care about that a rip. He cares about his connection with you. And that's what these disciplines do. They bring you closer to Jesus. There's no righteousness in these outward acts. But we, there's something in our brains that just make us go, right, I've just got to do these things. Now that disciplines, they draw us towards God rather than earning brownie points with God. Christ and Christ alone is the focus of them. He's the end of the quest. So don't turn the disciplines into law. You know, rigidity is not discipline. In fact, rigidity is a sure sign. Legalism said I mean, if you say, oh, I can't help that person out because I've got to read my Bible. Uh, I've got to do my Bible study. Oh, that's sounding an awful lot like a Pharisee right there. So first of all, the disciplines are all about connecting us to Jesus. Second thing, The fruit is outside the practice. Okay, I have to explain this a bit. What does that mean? The fruit is outside the practice. Well, it means this. We live in an instant world, right? We just want everything yesterday. And and we expect instant results from the disciplines in our life. But that's not how they work. Because that's not how God works. (laughs) God is a gardener, not a magician. Right? (laughs) Right? God is a gardener and not a magician. My all-time favorite passage in the Bible is this, John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to. You remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must be. Remain in the vine. Neither can you be a fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is the vine. God is the what? God is the what? Come on church, help me out. God is the gardener. Here's how I think we, we want the disciplines to work. Every time I re- open my Bible, God's going to jump out at me. He's going to speak to my situation. And if I open the Bible and it doesn't speak to me, come on, God, what's... Or, or, you know, every time I hang out with God in solitude, I just want to have an amazing experience. And there's angels singing around me. And every time I serve someone, I want to, I want to hear, feel that, that well done, good and faithful servant, hearing it, echoing in my ears from Jesus. No, 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 that would be like, I, 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 like, I like gardening. So I've got a, um, I've got a glass house and I, I've got some tomatoes in there. And if, if, I, if I just planted a tomato plant and then just poured some water on, Like, come on, I want a tomato. Shoot a tomato plant. Come on, that's that's how we treat the disciplines in our life. We just want it instantaneously, but no. What what the disciplines do is, is they they grow us slowly, so that God produces the fruit. You see, I, I had to plant those tomatoes. I had to stake them out. I had to prune them. I had to water them. I had to put the slug stuff around them because they're getting eaten. I had to, you know, do all that stuff. And eventually, I got fruit. Tomato is a fruit, by the way. It's not a vegetable. Uh, what we want, we though, is we just want instant, put the water on, give it to me. That's not how the kingdom of God works. God is a gardener. So the fruit is outside the practice. So what that means is the fruit comes in our life later on. Outside of the practice of the disciplines, you read Scripture, you pray, you come to church, you practice solitude. You, 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 you. And then from that, that, that builds a, a well in you, a, a supply in you. And so when your city is hurting and broken, you have the compassion, you have the love, you have the words, you have the faith. You have all you need to be able to minister in that space. You don't go like, oh, my goodness, my world is in need. Ah," You don't have anything because you haven't planted and watered and grown. And here's the thing. God produces the fruit in you. We think we have to white knuckle it and make it happen. i just got to do these things. No, no, God produces the fruit. God produces the fruit. Galatians 6 verse 8. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. See, Paul's using the same gardening analogy here. He's saying a farmer, they're actually helpless to grow the grain. All he or she can do is, is provide the right conditions for growing the grain. You know, they cultivate the ground, they plant the seed, they water it, and then it just happens. The spiritual disciplines are a way of sowing to the Spirit. They're a way of sowing into the Spirit of God in our lives. They're God's way of getting us into the ground where He can transform us and work in us. By themselves, they can do nothing. They just get us to the place where God can do something. If you just do the disciplines for the sake of doing the disciplines, you completely miss the point. We go into that space, and it's hard, I know, getting up early to pray, to read your Bible, getting away by yourself, getting to shout conference, even getting to church or e-group in the week, it can be hard. But when you put that discipline in your life, it draws you closer to Jesus, and it starts to produce fruit. My third point, and I'll get the keys up. Look, I haven't, I haven't taken nearly as long as i thought I could. Have. It's, it's, actually, it's actually kind of like realigning ourselves to God's way. If you've ever driven a car with the wheels out of alignment, and you're like, I'm just going, or unfortunately, you're, I'm going into traffic, and oh, I just keep veering towards the oncoming trucks, you, you know that, that something's not right. If we don't practice discipline in our lives, it's like we're, we're never realigning ourselves. And we can just get more and more off skew and we can just be throwing ourselves into the other lane of traffic and into dangerous situations and we need to keep realigning. And you know, apparently you're supposed to realign your car, tires every year. I, I don't know, but you, you need to do these systems more than once a year. Uh, every day we need to be realigning, realigning our lives. And that's what these, these rhythms of grace do for us. My final point it's really simple. It's just begin now. <laughs> begin now and start with Jesus. You actually need to, to get in that space. I, I love coming to church and, and, and meeting with Him and hearing from Him and having a word for now. But actually, I believe this is a word for the rest of your life. This is a word for your week coming and the weeks and the months after. Because I don't, I don't want you to just come to church and hear a word and then go away unchanged. No, we, we come because we want to be doers of the word. And I tell you what, if you get this principle, this will last far longer than you ever remember the words that I say. Because something in your spirit will go, yeah, you know what? I need to build these blocks into my life. I need to do what Jesus did. And I just need to start doing it now. Now, what you don't need to do is go, oh, I've got that list of 12 things. Right, tomorrow morning, 4 a.m., I'm going to start. And I'm going to do every 12 of those things because you will fail miserably. Trust me. What you need to do, like I said, you've got to start with Jesus. Go, okay, Jesus, I've got, some, I've got some rhythms in my life. I've got some uh, disciplines, but I know I haven't got it all sorted out so Jesus, what, is, what are some of the rhythms that you want to build into my life? Maybe it's just a tweak here or there. Maybe it's to add in one of those things on the list. Maybe it's to change the way you're doing one of those things so that, or maybe it's just refocusing it and realizing, oh, I've just been doing these things for this sake because it's what a good Christian does. No, no, let's it's bring it back to what it's about. Only Jesus can change our lives. Only Jesus can produce fruit in our hearts. Only Jesus can empower us to change our world. And we've got to use these tools to connect with Him. And that's all they are. They're just just tools. I was thinking about this this week. As I was preparing the sermon, I was like, oh, I better get a bit more disciplined about uh, reading the Bible this week <laughs> because I'm talking about this and I stopped and I thought, hang on that's what you're talking about Dave the very idea that, that you do this for an external reason you've completely missed the point but how, that's how quickly we do it, that's how quickly we lose track of actually why am I doing it oh it's to connect me with Jesus so why don't you stand to your feet and in, in this moment we're going to take a bit of time just to listen Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.